Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Elon Musk is considered to be the wealthiest man in the world. He's co-founded six companies, including electric car maker Tesla and rocket producer SpaceX. To anyone I've offended, I just want to say, I reinvented electric cars and I'm sending people to Mars in a rocket ship. (laughs) He controls the social media platform X, formerly known as Twitter, and some think he doesn't seem to be making a very great job of it. According to the New York Times, dozens of brands have paused campaigns on X. The company is estimated to lose as much as $75 million by year-end as a result. Musk says he's worried about population collapse, as he calls it, so he's had 11 children with three women. Possibly the single greatest risk to human civilization is the uh, rapidly diminishing growth rate. He's a villain to many, but a hero to some, and he's very rarely out of the news. But who is Elon Musk? Where did he come from? And what does he want? I'm joined by our technology reporter, Curtis Reid. Curtis, once again, welcome to the Bell Tale. Thank you very much, Karen. There's a book out about Elon Musk. Yes. You have read it. Yes. Can you tell us any more about Elon Musk now than what is yeah. generally known? Yeah, well, that that could be debated. So the the book came out a couple of months ago. Um, it's simply titled Elon Musk. Um, it was written by Walter Isaacson, uh, this sort of famed Washington journalist. He's written biographies on Albert Einstein, Leonardo da Vinci, Steve Jobs. And then it was announced about four years ago that he was going to be tackling Elon Musk uh, next. Now, important to remember, like everything, even with this podcast, the last time we spoke, probably next week, it's all going to be uh, different. He'll have done something new. Uh, but initially, the, the book was going to focus on SpaceX, Tesla, and, and how you know Musk became this sort of pioneer of technology. Um, it obviously then had to quickly adapt his purchase of the website, then known as, uh, as Twitter. The book's good. It's not great. Uh, Walter Isaacson uh, recently admitted that he... Uh, he made a few mistakes in it and there's been a few issues. Uh, Musk himself, initially very supportive of the book, then declined uh, to promote it or, or take part in any promotional uh, activity for it uh, and sort of distance himself uh, from it. Uh, but it did contain some some new revelations, mostly around his personal life. So his relationships with his uh, former wife, his recent ex-girlfriend, the singer Grimes, uh, and even his relationship with uh, infamous actress Amber Heard. Uh, and then there was some new revelations about uh, about his children. So it increased the number of publicly known children uh, that he's known to have uh, to at least 
and we have to prefix it with at least tame. Well, let's get into that because, I mean, obviously we can go through over old ground. He was rich in the first place. He's from South Africa. His yeah. parents are rich. He went to Canada, ended up in Stanford, didn't um, graduate. He really made his money because he founded a tech company, which then merged with another company to form PayPal. Yes, that company was originally called X. Yes. He loves X. And when we get on to children, you'll also see that he also really loves X because one of his children is nicknamed. X. He's a Tesla guy. Mm-hmm. He's the rocket guy. And we're going to talk about that. And now he's getting big into, in terms of business, he's getting into big into AI. And of course, um, he's into Twitter. Now, we have had, we have done a whole podcast about Twitter and we will speak about his business interests again. And obviously he has changed Twitter. He's come up with some rare things about it. But before I go on to the the the, the the his personality, the kids mm-hmm. and his personal life. I just want to say, I just want to cover this. I mean, for some people, when you talk about him and some people who have a lot of time for Elon yeah. Musk, he says, he's this incredible computer programmer. He designs cars. He's a rocket scientist. Is he any of those things really? Or is he just the money guy? Do you know, I think he's a really complicated figure. I mean, I don't think for all his his perceived faults, you can ignore that Elon Musk is one of the world's both, you know, smartest men and, and most talented men when it came to technology. You know, he he's really fallen into the trap of celebrity. And if you read Walter Isaacson's book, it really sort of lays that bare where he's a man that just craves attention. And whether that's good attention or attention for the bad reasons, he just craves drama is an exact quote in, in the book. And, you know, he really revolutionised a lot of industries and, you know, he deserves credit for that. Uh, I think it's saddening from a technology perspective that someone's, you know, personal beliefs and, and activity and, and sort of their public persona is now overshadowing the the things that he done. I mean, there, there's no denying when it came to space travel and, you know, plans to colonise Mars and the moon and whether or not you think those are ridiculous ideas, he seems to be the only person that's making logical steps towards actually achieving that and Obviously, SpaceX is a is an incredibly successful company now with with rocket ships. It, obviously, he's had his stroke of bad luck with you know a number of crashes and such. But you know, SpaceX is a very legitimate company, and the same with Tesla. I mean, if you think about it, twenty years ago, electric cars were just you know who knew anybody with an electric car, and Tesla really revolutionised that. And you know, he's now seen as this right-wing demon, but the right-wing demon that everyone sees is a man who has done more for climate change than most billionaires. He is a billionaire. Mm-hmm. You're talking about tech and this personality. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we if we look at the rocket men, Bezos uh, uh, and Branson, mm-hmm. I mean, they've always had this business model. I mean, is that part of the business model? And is it part of the business model, in particular in regards to tech, that you need this charismatic CEO doing all of these things? Am I? Does the stock market simply love these things? because he, we, we're talking about him and some people don't like him. But sometimes, and I mean, I'm not trying to influence what happens in the stock market, mm-hmm. but sometimes it seems that his very presence adds value to his company in terms of the value in the stock market. And again, this is not financial advice, but beyond what may be their actual value in assets and profit potential. Yeah. I think you can sort of split it into two categories, which is one that it's terrible for the financial side of businesses, but brilliant for the marketing side. Um, you know, Elon Musk has done more to promote his companies through his personality alone than, you know, 
most people, you know, most leaders of of large technology companies. I mean, I think when if you think of it for an example, most people know that Steve Jobs was a real pioneer with Apple. Um, I don't think many people outside of a tech bubble could probably name the current CEO of uh, of Apple, even though it's it's Tim Cook for those who are, are interested. Um, but you know. Tech companies are always famed for having this eccentric founder, this this person that always finds themselves in hot bother. I mean, we could name loads. You know, you've, you did Mark Zuckerberg. You already mentioned Jeff Bezos. You've you know, but look, that's a point. Yeah, I can't name the CEO of Hyundai. Yeah, Volkswagen, Nissan, or Peugeot. Kalnick. Yeah, I mean that's a point that we, you know that this is part of the the game plan. And I I remember I think I, this is probably just from the film about Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. but someone said like, "What do you do here?" And he said, "I'm the conductor." Yeah, and that's a, so a strange thing about Steve Jobs as well is that Steve Jobs was not an engineer. Steve Jobs was not in the same category as Elon Musk. You know, Elon Musk essentially, you know, at his core, he was a coder. You know, he wrote the mainframes for all of his technology. He was involved in the designs as well. Uh, Steve Jobs was none of that. Steve Jobs was a figurehead. He, you know, he obviously he had technology, you know, skills, and you know, obviously he could, you know, do do some things when it came to the involvement, but. Steve Jobs, in retrospect, was a brilliant designer. He was a brilliant creator. He designed the iPhone. He didn't write the code that it runs, but he he predicted, you know, the the rise of the mobile phone and then the iPad and, and you know, and the look of the Mac. You know, if you actually watch that Danny Boyle film with Michael Fassbender, who plays him, uh, you know, it doesn't shy away from that. You know, he designed the look of the Mac and he described of what he wanted it to look like and what he wanted it to do. But in no way did Steve Jobs be able to actually sit down and write code that would make it do that or make it look like that. So I should clarify, in my rather flippant remark about uh, Elon Musk, I said he's not actually a programmer, but he is a programmer. Yes, he is a programmer, yes, yes. Apologies to Elon uh, Elon Musk. He uh, famously, when he was around nine years old, wrote uh, a code for a computer game that he sold to a magazine uh, for £500, and then he then invested that £500, and that was when he was nine. So, So he is, you know, he, although he's the figurehead now, he was very much involved in, in the nitty gritty of, of everything that he had founded, you know, which probably explains why he's so interested in Twitter, because it's one of the many things that he actually didn't uh, find himself. So he doesn't have a, a creator's hand in it. And therefore, that's why we're seeing so many changes to the website itself. But he was there or thereabouts when some of these massive companies, massively successful companies were founded. No mm. one can ever take that away from him. And he's worth an absolute fortune. Mm-hmm. Those are Facts. But he's a strange guy. He is a strange guy. Yeah. I mean, I I find this incredible. So many scientists, environmentalists, uh, they say, you know, we're facing mass extinction. We can't provide food for everybody. There are huge problems. Perhaps the world's population will expand to the point where we just can't feed everyone. But he believes that the world's actually underpopulated and he's he's worried about this. He is, yeah. Yeah, he's very worried. He he, he started to sort of make these comments uh, a couple of years ago where he was really concerned that the world, like you said, that the human race was facing sort of mass extinction. And uh, in, in order to uh, to combat that, more people should have children. And if you do have children, you should have lots of children. And that's his mentality and something that he's obviously replicated in his own personal life. Yes, so it's not just rhetoric for Elon? No. This is, he's, he's putting his theories into action and he's getting out there and doing what he feels he has to do. To our knowledge, he has he has had 11 children. Now, one of those children, uh, he's, he has 10 surviving children. Yes. One of those children, unfortunately, died when he was very young. He has 10 surviving children to three different women. Now, it's like one of these things, Curtis, 
you know, there are things that I suppose rich people get away with. Uh, and it seems very different when rich people um, do it than when other people do it. Now, yeah. one of them is drugs, the other's guns, the other's mm-hmm. horses, and the mm-hmm. other's having lots and lots of kids. So if you have lots and lots of kids by very different women, people will look down on that. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but mm-hmm. that's the fact. But that's not this. That's not, he's getting away with this. Yeah, yeah, and obviously there's the misogynistic link as well, which is that if obviously if he was a woman who had you know multiple baby daddies, as they refer to it, you know he would be harshly criticised and and really looked upon looked uh, down upon um, for having this amount of children to the, all these various people. But Musk does. Um, he has four children to his first wife, uh, Justine Wilson. He has three. That was actually revealed in in the book. He has. Um, uh, his first child with the singer Grimes um, and then another child with her that was delivered by a surrogate and then as revealed in Walter Isaacson's book um, he has a third child with Grimes as well um, this is also on the back of at the same time that uh, Grimes was was due to uh, you know welcome their their third child into the world uh, his uh, his executive at one of his companies was pregnant with twins uh, in which Elon Musk was identified as the father so he really put that uh, plan into into action um, in terms of children. Just to be clear, having a sexual relationship with someone who directly reports to you and a company is deeply frowned upon uh, because it's seen as a, a power imbalance. So, I mean, that is that would be a controversial point for many people. I mean, obviously, these are people's pr- private life. I'm not taking that away from that, but the fact of the matter is in corporate culture, that this was this would be frowned upon. Yeah, and it's actually strange because if you read the, not to go back to the book again, but if you do read the book, it doesn't actually provide a very clear picture on whether or not they had a relationship or whether or not Musk is just the father of their twins. Um, it's it's a very strange dynamic um, in terms of, of them two at the same time. Um, he was reportedly not with Grimes at the time um, that their third child was born. Um, but like I said, parallel at the same time, he was about to deliver these twins with... And, and essentially an employee. Now, there are some legal issues between um, Grimes and Elon Musk. I think it relates to parental rights. Yes, and she's currently suing him in California for parental rights. And that's a quite a complicated story. You know what? It's too complicated for this this, yes, this, this very this, complicated. This, this podcast, we've mentioned it, but I'm going to set you a challenge. Could you go through the names of, of, the, <laughs> of, the, of the children that Grimes and Elon Musk have had? Because I've tried to get my head around them and I can't say them. Okay, right. Um, so their first child, if you... Bear with me. Their first child's name is uh, X. I'll I'll do it phonetically. So it's uh, X I E A twelve. So that's actually pronounced X Ash A twelve. Um, there was actually a bit of controversy around that name when it was first announced because I think it was in California court. You cannot actually legally child legally name your child with a number and an and a and a hyphen it in it uh, in the actual first name itself. Um, so uh, it then had to be changed. Uh, they call the child Ash. As a as a nickname, um, so they refer to him as as Ash. Um, they then had a daughter, uh, Exa Dark Sidriel Musk. Uh, I believe Sidriel is the name of a video game character, um, in which both Grimes and uh, Musk uh, very much like playing. Um, and then they have a, a son. Uh, their third child, who was born when they were separated, is a uh, Techno Magnius uh, Musk, who's called Tau as a nickname. Again, if you called your kids names like that and less well-off communities you would be very much looked down on. Yeah, and I'd like to point out as well that his, that his children with, uh, uh, you know, his first wife, they have names like Damien and Vivian. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so you I don't want picture any, the Christmas dinner. <laughs> I don't want any letters from Damien. <laughs> we have enough of those coming in. Yeah, but but I mean, those are almost names that you would uh, call an android. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's, you know, whether or not you can level all of that at, at Elon Musk. I think if you're familiar with Grimes, uh, she is a very eccentric uh, musical artist, uh, techno uh, techno singer, uh, who obviously his real name is not Grimes either. Her first name's Claire. So you can you can picture that it was probably both of them together choosing those names and not just Musk. You can see why she changed the name. Like no harm to the Claire's out yeah. there. But you just don't <laughs> think, you just don't think techno music. Listen, in 2022, his eldest twin, uh, a officially changed her name to reflect her new gender identity as a trans woman and to use Wilson as her last name because she no longer wished to be associated with Elon Musk, her father. Now, this is where things started getting interesting in terms of personality. He blamed the estrangement of his daughter on what the Financial Times has characterised as the supposed takeover of elite schools and universities by neo-Marxists. And this is where the political person comes through. He has been described as part philosopher, part troll. Yeah. Yeah, he is known to really love uh, trolling. Um, he he really does. You know, if you if you're on his uh, his Twitter or his X account, as it's now known, um, you will see that he mainly he rarely actually uh you know writes replies. He just will respond with memes. Um, so so he is known to really really troll people, and he's known to just flippantly reply to anybody as well. It doesn't have to be um some verified celebrity who's who's calling him out. Um, he has been known to reply to to average Joe blogs on the website. That uh, uh so yeah so. He's a he's he's a very strange character when it comes to when it comes to his online presence as well, which has led to a lot of recent criticism. And you know, you, you could also argue that you shouldn't minimize it because he has made some homophobic and and you know you know remarks when it comes to. You also probably shouldn't minimize it as well because he's he's made you know, some anti-Semitic and homophobic remarks in recent times um, that have faced, you know, a lot of criticism, uh, including a recent advertiser boycott uh, from huge companies like Disney who have all pulled their their marketing from X. Um, and I don't know if people were aware or have seen on social media, but he did a recent interview with the New York Times Book Review in which he uh, gave his thoughts on that. But I don't think it's suitable for this uh, this podcast. <laughs> Well, I think we'll play the clip. I think we'll play the clip. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I, th- I think we can get. I think we can get away with that. Cue the clip. I hope they stop. You hope uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise. No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money. Go f- yourself. But go f- yourself. <laughs> Is that clear? I hope it is. That was a cringy moment. Was yeah, very awkward as well. It's it's you know it's obviously how he feels, but it's one of those ones where if you actually watch the video of it, uh, you get the impression that he practiced practiced it a few times in the mirror. Yes, well, and as you said earlier this month, he agreed with a social media post accusing Jewish people of pushing dialectical hatred against white people. Mm-hmm. Musk's remarks received condemnation in the United States and other places for being abhorrent. Now that's, I mean, that's big, but again, he, you, you're talking about tr- tr- trolling. There's a, there's a famous, I suppose, right-wing position and uh, we know about the film The Matrix and uh, Andrew Tate's famous for talking about The Matrix. You know, don't get a Matrix job, for example. And he, ha, he has referenced this taking the red yeah. pill and reference to The Matrix and 
he seems to have sort of started to engage in this right wing yeah. view thing. It's, maybe that's just all about trying to promote a culture of trolling on Twitter to make money. Yeah, because I mean, there have been you know very prominent uh, technology journalists who have you know followed Elon since you know the the early days of Tesla and and even the early days of PayPal and and his first uh, websites, you know, and they admit that he comes from a very liberal leaning viewpoint. Um, you know, this is a man who grew up in apartheid South Africa. So, I mean, it's, it has, you know, in terms of his actual personality, a lot of people, you know, claim that secretly he's quite liberal and he doesn't actually believe these things that he is writing. He's just found a great way to, to monetize uh, hate and, and harmful rhetoric that some believe. So it, it sort of comes into that argument of it, it comes back to the, you know, Musk craving drama. You know, he sees this rhetoric right now online, which is, you know, so filled with division. And it's he sees that his fans fall on one side of that division, and therefore he's going to to replicate those types of views in order to to whip up these these people. Uh, and we've seen that recently when he uh, agreed with Conor McGregor's recent remarks about the Dublin riots. It's interesting because parents have said to me. I remember parents saying to me that they're a wee bit worried that their son had started to idolize Elon Musk. And at that stage, it was you know this desire for money, and it was the technology, and it it was maybe going away from the values that they held as a family. But now we have these sort of two things coming away. This masters of the universe, technology superhero kind of thing, and coming together with this this sort of right wing Mm -hmm. masculinity on social media. And this sort of Andrew Tate's involved, Russell Brand's Mm -hmm. involved. And now we have our very own Conor McGregor, as you Mm -hmm. say. I mean, can we just say, how did Conor McGregor get into the story? He just decided to tweet on X his uh, his personal opinions about why the Dublin riots were caused and uh, he basically he gave his own analysis on what he believed happened um, and tapped into a rhetoric that that had not been confirmed by the guards in terms of the the very tragic incident where where two children were were stabbed uh, in in Dublin uh, a couple of weeks ago and that just whipped up his entire his entire fan base and it's really interesting when you go to um, both Musk and McGregor's tweets about uh, Dublin. And if you look at the replies, you will see, obviously, 99% of them are male, 99% of them are young males as well. And you will click on their bios and click on their profiles and you will see that they're from Arkansas. I mean, they have no connection to, to Ireland whatsoever and probably not to, to categorize everybody, they probably couldn't find Dublin on a map. You know, it's it's just, it's very, very strange. It's it's one of those ones where I think young men are seeing these types of figures and they're just tapping into, they're successful. I want to be successful. I want to be like them. So therefore I should think like them. It's a, it's a tale as old as time, except for the fact that now, personally, in my view, I think there's a real lack of positive male role models out there now for young men. So therefore men who, who you know, want to look up to somebody and want to aspire to be like somebody um, will adopt the personality of somebody that they feel is successful in their book. And there's no doubting that McGregor, obviously a talented sports person and, and Musk, um, obviously talented, um, you know, business person and, and technology pioneer. So on paper, they would be great people for young men to look up to. But when you incorporate their beliefs and their their approaches to certain topics, it does tap into this this atmosphere of toxic masculinity. There's a there's a great uh, Scott Galloway quote where he refers to how uh, 
you know, technology pioneers like Elon Musk and Steve Jobs are the the closest things that we have to to gods because technology is the closest things to magic. So therefore, it, young men just look at these people and think, well, I want to be them. Uh, not to lump Steve Jobs into the same category as as Elon Musk, although Steve Jobs still not a great guy if if you read his estranged daughter's <laughs> memoir. You know, so so he had his own faults. But yeah, it really taps into this 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 trait where where young men seem to adopt the personalities of these of these people, and it can lead to sort of harmful results. I suppose to 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 push back on that, mm-hmm. they are highly successful people, and 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 they have proven themselves in terms of wealth. I mean, you could have worse idols. Yeah, hundred percent. Because I mean, you could idolize the local gangster chief you could idolize you know a whole range of not great people i mean and success is not a bad thing in itself and certainly i suppose to look back you know in my day if you want to put it like that i mean people idolized you know pop stars and yeah. actors a lot more mm-hmm. uh and i mean they were essentially playing even the pop stars playing fictional characters but i mean that's supposed that now it goes back i mean is elon musk doing the very same thing yeah. playing an, a fictional character but i mean it's absolutely fascinating and and it's amazing that we've got to the stage where where these are the these are the I suppose political philosophers of our, of our age where people yeah. look to beyond all else. What I find fascinating, and maybe it's just me, it's the whole Mars thing. I know we have talked <laughs> yeah. about it before, but I cannot go. I mean, he wants to colonize Mars. Yeah, he, does. he thinks we need to be a multi species planet. But yeah. let's look at it. Look, look. He's described Mars as a fixer upper of a planet. Uh, Mars has little atmosphere, very little oxygen, not much gravity, uh, no life, little water, and little defense against cosmic radiation. Scientists say, you know, it's probably not where the future of the human race lies. It's on this planet here that we'll we're stuck here. Yeah. But this is this is this this. It almost. I wonder. Does he really believe in Mars, or is he trying to create this James Bond body? image? No, I would say that he genuinely believes in Mars. I genuinely uh, think, you know, Musk has always been, for all his faults, he has always been ahead of the curve. You know, we, we discussed this before, but, um, you know, he was a pioneer of electric vehicles, you know, in terms of space travel as well as even even basic things like Starlink, you know, it was a satellite service that, you know, can help people in, you know, Ukraine and, and you know, across the world where people didn't have, you know, mobile phone access. You know, you, something like Starlink is so revolutionary. And he was something that he was someone that pioneered that. So I think it's just a case of it's definitely exaggerated and it's definitely not going to happen anytime soon. But it's one of those things where I think he's I don't even know if he's desperate to be ahead of the curve, uh, ahead of the curve or if he just naturally always is. But I think it's just one of those things where he just sees it as inevitable. I think, you know. All the movies have said that, you know, Earth's eventually going to to die and, and you know, scientists are always constantly raising, you know, warnings about, you know, the the future of, of Earth's uh, sustainability. So I think he just sees it as a logical next step to, to move planet. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Well, in a business sense, he's been right about so many things. Yeah. Perhaps I will eat my words and uh, we will be producing podcast. Well, there'll be the Mars podcast in the future. Curtis Reid, thank you very much. This episode of The Bell Tale was produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar, assisted by Olivia Peden. The sound design was by Graham Davidson. The clips you heard were from NBC, The Wall Street Journal and Yahoo Finance.
When you get an Irish independent digital subscription, you don't just get access to the news at your fingertips. For a limited time, you'll also receive a 75 euro O'Neill's gift card. So what are you waiting for? Get the whole kit and caboodle. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish independent. Terms and conditions apply.